0: It's happening, readers. We have heard that you want paperbacks from our tailored book recommendation service called TBR. And I'm delighted to let you know that we're going to be in sync with your request. That's right. We're bringing paperbacks. Whether you hate carrying around bulky hardcovers, you're on a budget, you want a wider range of recommendations, or all of the above, now you can get a paperback subscription from TBR, curated just for you by one of our bibliologists. Get all the details at mytbr.co. That's mytbr.co. We're bringing paperbacks.
1: This is the Book Riot Podcast. It's a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. Today is Thursday, January 12th, 2023. I'm Jeff O'Neill here with Rebecca Shinsky, coming to you from bookriot.com. Um, there's a chance that the best selling book of 2023 has already been released. That's a weird thing to say in January, but I that think it's possible we're get to read it in a minute. Um, I We're going to talk about a story that you've already heard us talk about in the because we're doing a bonus episode that you've already heard by now about upcoming adaptations <laughs> of 2023 you get a bonus episode we have some sponsor interested in, and this is a topic oh, right. we thought was interesting um but you will have listened for that but I saw your exclamation points in this and I had just watched the trailer and I'm so glad that it wasn't just me to be like doesn't it look delightful we'll come to that in a minute oh, but look yes, for that it's good stuff in the, in the feed there also if you haven't Yet checked out um, the Patreon at all? Go check it out: patreoncom slash podcast. But right there now, you see our winter draft preview. You can see that's in. We were right to peg it to this to start because every time we do one of these, we see a we see a little flurry of people signing up to, mm-hmm. to catch that content there. Um, the next thing we're doing, I guess, we're recording right after this show. We're gonna look back at the fall 2022 draft. Who won that, Rebecca? I can't, can't remember. Oh, Does that mean? I don't know. I can't
0: okay. recall. Yeah. Which means it was probably you, because you know, probably, I, I, I right. do remember. Yeah. And, I, I, and I think
1: I, I think I, I, pulled the the ace out of the deck. it's kind of what you happened did. there, you um, did. We'll, which we'll talk about a little bit. Um, any, any. Uh, Without giving it away, any um, so you, if you're the Patreon, you can vote on which of our baskets uh, for the 2023 winter draft you're interested in. Without saying who, is, is someone pulling away over there? I think you said Some, maybe someone was.
0: Someone is. Someone, someone is, is pulling away. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Always pretty interesting. Go check that out. Do we have something else to say? I guess there's not many updates right now.
0: Well, no. And if you're thinking about joining the Patreon, one of the things we have coming up at the end of the month is our first Book Nerd Movie Hour or Adaptation Nation of the year. You could call it either one. Maybe we'll call it both. Uh, But we are going to read White Noise by Don DeLillo. It'll be my first time with Mm -hmm. White Noise and then watch the Noah Baumbach adaptation that just dropped on Netflix. So you got a couple weeks if you want to do your homework and join us on the Patreon for that.
1: Really looking forward to that movie um, and also your reaction to White Noise uh, (laughs) and the conversation about it. It's going to be wild stuff.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah. All plots uh, tend towards death. Uh, I think the most famous quote from white noise. All right, let's do our first sponsor break and get into news.
0: It's happening, readers. We have heard that you want paperbacks from our tailored book recommendation service called TBR. And I'm delighted to let you know that we're going to be in sync with your request. That's right. We're bringing paperbacks. Whether you hate carrying around bulky hardcovers, you're on a budget, you want a wider range of recommendations or all of the above, now you can get a paperback subscription from TBR curated just for you by one of our bibliologists. Get all the details at mytbr.co. That's mytbr.co. We're bringing paperbacks.
1: Unionization efforts, um, the FLB... Uh, has certified a New York Amazon union. So this, you know, kind of, I don't know if we're snowflakes turning into an avalanche with Amazon unions. We've seen with Starbucks, of course, we talked about HarperCollins. Amazon, you know, isn't even the top 30 things on their P&L, their books business, but they are the 900-pound gorilla of the books business, so it's worth talking about here. So there you go. Um, yep. Eight thousand workers at the JFK eight fulfillment center. Boy, that sounds Orwellian. JFK. It really does. I, <laughs> I have the same something thought. <laughs> um, and I've
0: been watching Andor, so it's like, are they? Uh, are you just put in a little jumpsuit <laughs> uniform and shipped off Nick to Kima a pod? Five. Yeah,
1: God, right. Rough stuff. Um, so that's interesting to see. Uh, yeah, Amazon
0: had been fighting the approval, the certification. So this is a loss for Amazon. They say they intend to continue fighting it. I'm not sure what the appeals process looks like for them, but given the repeated success now of the folks who organized that union, looks I, I would think we're going to see their efforts continue to succeed. If I had to bet, were I a betting yeah. woman, I would bet that this continues to come down on the side of the workers, which – of course, is the outcome that you want to see when people have identified that their working conditions are not sufficient and need to be better. And um, I remember when the story broke about what was going on in the New York facility it was like, yeah, it sounds like those folks need a union and would benefit from one. So glad to see that happen. Looks like one more step along the way to being official here.
1: Um, that reminds me as well, got a, um, a response to my call for uh, adjust the facts, ma'am, kind of list of um, hmm. requests, demands from the HarperCollins Union or, or, or a piece that outlines those. And someone wrote in who's a member of a union, I'm going I'm to redact the name, um, to say, you know, that's probably not available because it's considered bad faith negotiating and maybe even some violate some covenants or something else like that. So uh, I think there might be a reason we don't quite have a full-throated, itemized, um, and budgeted list of the demands, like just a couple things here and there, which makes sense. Um, it does mm-hmm. make it that much more difficult other than when in doubt, support the union, uh, in this particular case. So, uh, you know, without getting into specifics, but, um, thank you for, for the and, listener, you know who you are. Um,
0: and I, yeah, I was going to mention Anne Helen Peterson's Substack this week featured an interview with someone from HarperCollins who's participating in the unionization mm. effort and the ongoing negotiations. This person has been on strike for, it's like what, they're on like day 70, something like that. Yeah, um, they
1: had a break, so it's a little, the math's a little tif- difficult. Yeah, like that.
0: and was giving some of the background information. And the, you know, that newsletter does have some publishing people that follow it, but is pitched, you know, much more broadly. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't anything. Really new to me in there, but there was a mention of like, we are down to negotiating these three points that were that are the things that we've heard about the um, the base pay wanting guarantees about DEI uh, inclusions in the corporate plans. And there's one other one. But those are the only three things, apparently, that are left over from like an original eight page. I believe it was eight Mm -hmm. page document that the union submitted to HarperCollins. And they they didn't probably for these same reasons that our listener provided to you. They did not go into detail about what are the things that got cut from those eight pages Mm -hmm. uh, of requests and demands. But it was interesting to me to pick up that little tidbit of like how... Few of the things are left um, from the place that they started and that this, uh, the strike now is down to these three things that are big deals. So like my curiosity was piqued I'm Like, what else is on the list? <laughs> like, Maybe someday, yeah. we will know but that was, um, that was an interesting thing just to pick up about where this all began. And it gave me some insight too into maybe why it's taking so long. This process began many, many months ago of attempted negotiation uh, to come to some sort of bargain. And if they've had to be going back and forth about a whole bunch of points on eight pages worth of documentation, then that is a lot of conversation to have between the union and Harper And yeah. um, I certainly hope that we see success in these, these three primary things that they're fighting for right now.
1: Me too. Me too. Um, okay. Uh, let's do let's do tech corner first um okay. so stop trying to make meta happen <laughs> is my take on the, the world of ar and vr goggles now i have since i was a kid been very like technophilic i've always been interested in you know from they my my old atari uh to nintendo with the light gun to motion control wii i used to build my own computers I had an early iPhone. I'm never happy with my laptop. <laughs> I'm always looking <laughs> at the next thing. Yeah. Um, How
0: many laptops have you had in the last 10 years? <laughs> I, I don't
1: know. I, it's so many, though my current one's pretty good. And maybe maybe I'm finally reaching sort of technological maturity where I, I don't care that much <laughs> anymore. And I, I'm having a hard time knowing. And VR goggles have been around for a while, like the Oculus Quest, I believe. Mm-hmm. And now it's called the MetaQuest because we have to do this meta thing. It, it makes me a little wild, uh, wild eyed to care. This is like, I think the first big technological thing that I'm like, do not want. I like AirPods. <laughs> I like phones. I like, I have a good Apple watch that I love. I like CarPlay. And I really am not excited about this. My brother has one. He lent it to me and my family. Um, and you know, would say the kids can play it over break. Well, it's right. And it sat in the corner in a box and my son loves mm-hmm. video games and this just hasn't happened. So there's that, there's that take. Um, where are you on this before we get to the specific story about, about goggles in our lives, about putting glasses on our Uh, face?
0: I think basically the same spot. I'm theoretically open to it. Like if Mm. someone gave me an Oculus or whatever it's called now and was like, and here's the game that I think you will really like, I would try it. It would probably be fun. Um, I'm not opposed to like looking like a fool, which you do look like if you stand in the middle of your living room with these things on and wave your arms and legs around. But like, that's fine. I'm down with that for a good time. I'm not going to buy one for myself. At least it's hard for me to imagine how good and interesting that tech would have to become for me to want to spend my own money on it or like regularly incorporate them into my life but i am also i feel fine about the fact like i've got a couple of friends who have them and love them mm-hmm. and they do some gaming and it like okay i think i'm very i'm glad you have that about it for people who like it but i have not seen a compelling case for my own like future girl use of
1: mm-hmm.
0: some sort of vr situation
1: yeah so this particular, the reason we're talking about this now, that's just to get, maybe that's just to set our our uh, base level for <laughs> right. excitement about goggles. And so out of CES, which is the Consumer Electronic Show, annual big mm-hmm. confab about, it's the Comic Con for hardware, essentially, um, a company is making a dedicated set of e-reading goggles. So it's a lower resolution. It's not a full MetaQuest thing. It only has to do text. So it's, you know, you don't have to run a super hot graphics processor and have it plugged into the the wall while you're reading it or something like that. You just just the text, ma'am. I guess is that's actually not a <laughs> bad name for this um, in, in your face. Uh, I don't know what else to say about this. I, I'm trying to think of a use case. I guess if in the uh, you you don't mind reading in the bath, we're getting in uncomfortable territory mm, here a little mm-hmm. bit for me. But is this <laughs> you put a, put a slam on a pair of these and light the candle and put on the bubbles and you don't have to worry about holding anything? Is that interesting I mean, to you at all?
0: Maybe that's maybe maybe the only case. But also, if you have the goggles on, you're not enjoying like the candle or whatever. The goggles make your nose stop
1: working. Is that how they don't? Your nose? I guess. I
0: mean, you could smell the candle, but you can't be. You're not enjoying the candle light because the goggles are.
1: Yeah, virtual
0: candles. (laughs) (laughs) Too many layers. I was thinking about like what my daily interaction with books and my iPad look like. And there is a not small amount of like, I'm sitting on the couch reading and the dog wants to go outside and I'm like carrying my iPad half in front of my face while Uh I open the back door, you know, or it like moseys to the kitchen with me or whatever. And so I don't know what the, unless you can sit still (laughs) for the entire time that you're reading And you don't need to be aware of anything else that's happening around you. Like, what is the use case? Why do you need this if you can have a book or an audio book or an e-reading situation? Like, I just don't know how it's an improvement on the experience of reading. And to me, that's what you need to provide if you want adoption into a new technology. It needs to improve the experience in some way. And I was thinking about you and your you know storied history of motion sickness, like what is it like uh, to be no basically things. like no. inside the
1: book? VR with motion sick <laughs> is not what you want. I can tell you that right now it's a very right
0: like tough maybe thing. this would be good on I don't know on a plane where you could set a now I'm just making up features but yep. you could set like a sleep timer and you could read a couple pages and then fall asleep and you would have a built-in eye mask, but this is a very expensive eye mask
1: yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't. It's not like VR, AR, where it's giving you something that just looking at a screen really doesn't, because you're looking at words. So yeah, it's just a projection. Then, then what it means is you don't have to hold the book, essentially. Yeah. So maybe there might be some accessibility purposes. I can imagine that might be an interesting use case.
0: Maybe it's a little bit better with I'm also just guessing here, but maybe it's a little bit better with any kind of eyesight impairment because the text would be just physically closer to Mm -hmm. your eyes like I were reading glasses. Would I still need them inside this? You know, usually whatever I'm reading is, I don't know, maybe 12 inches from my face and this would be just a couple. I also wonder like what that I don't know what it would feel like.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I don't when you're looking at it, like how 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 much text are you... It's like your whole field of vision. Like, what are you actually looking at? Because that could be a little disorienting, Right, (laughs) and like, how do you turn
0: the page? Because do you still have to do something physical to turn the page? How does that interact with the accessibility, the potential accessibility benefits? Like, it's... This is interesting in the, like, I'm curious about what else they will do with it, but not in the I-want-to-try-it-myself way.
1: Yeah, Um, and, and it's also... And I didn't know this, that the MetaQuest 2 is just $50 more than this thing, which Mm. is kind of shocking how expensive this means. And then also there are already ebook reading apps available for the MetaQuest too. So you don't have to even wait for this thing. You could go take it for a spin there. I I just can't see a world in which, I was thinking about the, when I'm reading, my eyes aren't just looking at the book the whole time. Like I'll go, you know, I'll look at the weather or something's happening Mm -hmm. or there are other people around. I don't know. The one thing I was thinking about is you could lay in bed just like straight on your back if you mm. wanted to like you don't mm-hmm. have to sit up uh, or you know and hold something over your head so maybe there's certain kind of readers we are struggling to do a generous <laughs> reading i don't know that there's a niche or you can cobble together enough niches to make a product line out of this mm-hmm. um but I, it's weird with that we hadn't really thought about this before and i think that's my Endemic yeah. sort of un- disinterest in in putting glasses on my face um, that aren't just my regular glasses. That's
0: where so I stuff. shook out on it also. When I think our colleague Kelly Jensen dropped this in our company mm-hmm. Slack, and I was like, "Oh, it never occurred to me that you would want to e-read inside a VR headset." Because why? Right. And right. The, okay, but okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, I could. Yeah, if someone out there has a as a use case that we haven't thought of, or can can give some detail or. Uh, experience or, or, you know, in, uh, mm-hmm. inferences about accessibility. That wouldn't be it. Because I, yeah. as an able-bodied person, I always underestimate, even though I know I always underestimate it still doesn't work, the accessibility um, ramifications of different modes uh, of of reading. Um, so that's something I'd be yeah. curious to hear. Uh, you can check out the link in the show notes, com slash listen. A YouTuber got his hands on one of those, so you can see a little bit more... Um, Interaction with it. Also, this is the kind of thing that I, I'm not really a YouTube person or a YouTube review person. But when it comes to something physical like this, the video yeah. is just the best. It's just, it is. It's, it's just, helpful. It's, it, text is just impossible to do well um, when you're talking about a physical object. There. All right. You want to go specific or general next? You want to talk about the memoir or the 2022 bestsellers? How would we want to try to connect them in some particular way? Oh. I, it feels like something. Let's we're do the about memoir sales, first. We do the memoir first. Well. Yeah. I guess people care. Speaking of things that mystify me, um, <laughs> people care about Prince, the, the royal family, continue, continues to mystify me. Um, the fastest selling nonfiction book, uh, Spare, by the Duke of Sussex, Prince Harry. Um, juicy. What a, what a pub, pre-pub tour this, mm-hmm. this particular fella has been on. I'm not sure what to say. I, I couldn't. Ca- I really couldn't care less. I, I gotta be honest with everyone <laughs> out there. I do not care about this book.
0: Yeah, it came out on Tuesday. We're recording this on Thursday, and as of as of Tuesday, <laughs> this piece from Reuters notes that it had sold four hundred thousand copies in the UK alone, mm-hmm. across hardback, ebook, and audio formats. And so, you know, the UK, much smaller than the US, but probably a higher percentage of readers in the UK are interested in Prince Harry. I'll be super interested in what the US sales numbers for this are. I think they're also going to be very high, both yeah. among the people who are into the royal family and interested in that stuff. And then I am just sort of curious in about the attempts to deconstruct the monarchy that's the interesting piece about this to me like I'm not really in the Harry and Meghan fandom not watching the thing on Netflix but I like to see a person call out a system that seems very harmful and overdue for change if not you know to be completely disrupted um, and I was I was interested about that I pre-ordered it on audio and was like oh I've heard him on a couple podcasts that'll be interesting but I think I also underestimated it and if you had put me to like by order of book sales, who's more popular, Prince Harry or Michelle Obama? I think I would have bet on Michelle Obama. Hmm. And these numbers, it, it, if he keeps this pace up, I think he might lap her um, for book sales in the first year. You mean for I The Light We Carry? For, uh, no, I meant for Becoming. Yeah. Um, but that came out the gate.
1: Well, the difference Very is, I, I think it's it's hard to compare because... It, she wasn't spilling a bunch of tea. This is both famous and tea spilling. And if, if becoming was a bunch full of a bunch of like Prince Harry size um, shots across the bow at Obama or Biden, or true. I don't, know. I think that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a different a great situation point. completely.
0: And I think you're right. That's a good distinction and it'll be interesting to see if these if the book sales keep up like so many of these must have been pre-orders and people lined up at bookstores on day one to have that 400,000 number on day one on Tuesday that uh, uh, many of the most juicy pieces from the book got revealed before the release, even though this book was heavily embargoed. People did manage to get copies of it and they leaked information or people close to Harry leaked. There were all kinds of leaks and all kinds of gossip coverage. And I think that probably goosed first day sales but like, do you, I'm personally having some like, do I need to listen to this now? Because I have read the pieces about Let all the this answer leaks. for that.
1: No, you no. do not, Rebecca. No, you do not. <laughs>
0: well, and maybe it's telling that that audiobook hit my Audible account on Tuesday. I haven't started it yet. And that means I could still return it, I believe. And I might, like, it might, there's, okay, to so back up, there's all kinds of like, Whispering and suspicion about how much did Penguin Random House coordinate this these leaks? Was this to their benefit? Um, How much was this done against their will? Who did it? All that kind of stuff. We'll probably never know. Like, I, I can't think that it was long term beneficial to them to have the juiciest stuff come out before the book was on sale and have people like me in that position of like, why do I need to read this now all the juicy stuff? Has been told. So I don't know. Interesting to see it happen. And I, you're right, we may have seen the best selling book of the year come out on the 10th day of the year. I have year. a hard
1: time imagining what's going to beat it. Again, I haven't seen anything, uh, again, not to spoil the winter preview draft, that really can top it. I was even thinking about, again, you need the person and their perspective, right? So oh, mm-hmm. Michelle Obama's becoming is certainly notable. But the perspective was not one of, like, I'm going to give you the dirt, which moves units for this kind of stuff. This is a yeah. celebrity memoir, and people are here for the dish, honestly, for a book like this. If this mm-hmm. was if this was becoming for Prince Harry and it didn't have all these leaks about how he's taking shots at will, it doesn't sell this many copies. It still sells well, yeah. I think, but it's not. this is not I a safe, right. you know, I'm running for president, so I'm going to write um, Dreams of My Father or The Audacity <laughs> of Hope or something like that. I was trying to think if someone were to take the same kind of dish dishing mm. angle and were to release a memoir, is there anyone that could outsell Prince Harry right now? Because oh. he's kind of the perfect, in the perfect position to dish, be sympathetic, have kind of nothing to lose. There's all this, there's all this latent melodrama that have been following. Like we've got five scenes of the crown. We've got the Meghan Markle in this at all. There's the race piece. There's just the weirdness of patriot, or, you know, uh, of uh, mm-hmm. the monarchy, monarchy and how things pass I can't think of anyone else really.
0: I wonder about like.
1: It would have to be like Obama, like one of the. Or
0: like a, uh, I don't know, maybe one of the long running morning show hosts. Like if somebody if Hoda Kotb or somebody from today or Good Morning America or like that, that has a huge daily audience. Right and that like sort of family presentation that they give about how all the hosts allegedly get along with each other and love each other. If somebody like that was going to do a super dishy memoir about both working on the show, but also all the celebrities that they got it got to interact with and you know that they see dirt and that they hear all kinds of stuff. Like if there weren't 9 billion NDAs around it, somebody probably would have written one of those books already. But I would bet one of those could maybe rival these sales because those people have huge potential yeah. pools of customers from those the, those daily
1: audiences. I could thought of two names because I, I was going I was ready to talk about this, that mm-hmm. if they were going to do sort of a scorched earth memoir, maybe could outsell this. I've got two names. My first is, and this is just if you break um, Ticketmaster. You know Taylor (laughs) Swift has some stories. (laughs) Right. You know she's got some entertainment industry stories, right? Mm -hmm. She's an attractive young woman in the world, for starters, but she's insanely famous. She's had a lot of high-profile relationships. Think of what that book could be. I mean, it would be complete. It would be a complete uh, magma flow um, of fire.
0: Maybe Kim Kardashian, like really spilling it, especially coming out of the Kanye stuff.
1: maybe. I do feel like you need a little bit of branded, your brand needs to be a little reticent because then the revelation feels even more interesting where Mm. she's been on front for so long, not not to say that there isn't interesting stories there, but like her brand is not, I've got a bunch of secrets. It's like, I'm just being photographed and doing stuff all the time. Maybe. And maybe I'm (laughs) under, the other one I thought of was Tom Cruise.
0: Oh, Um, interesting. Who
1: knows what worms are under that rock?
0: (laughs) I think what I want is Katie Holmes's Tom Cruise memoir.
1: Well or or some sort of like uh second person plural by Nicole Kidman and Katie <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> We said. Oh I love it.
0: Mm. because yeah, are we ever somebody... going to get the story?
1: Are we ever going to get the, when when Tom's Cruise were, 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 well, I mean, were never going to robot get... or whatever else is going to happen We're there? never
0: going to get the Tom Cruise story from Tom Cruise. Like, well, that's
1: what I'm saying. If we did though. Right.
0: If, if you could so I don't know, apply truth theorem to, to like... the writing process. I think maybe some big Hollywood publicist who wanted to go scorched earth, um, <sighs> they wouldn't have name recognition to get them started, but you could certainly get publicity going around mm-hmm. had these following clients and you're going to get all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, somebody like that okay. would be interesting. Taylor Swift is a good one.
1: Um, you've got, if you can beat me podcast at bookriot.com, com, yeah. the d- scorched earth memoir, who who could outsell Prince Harry? We can talk about if we get anything good, I would both like to not see any good responses and like to see things that beat oh, that because that would know, be interesting. So I'm not sure.
0: I think, a Beyonce scorched earth memoir. Like she plays yeah. it pretty close also. And I'm sure that she has stories. Beyonce and Taylor Swift release memoirs on the same day and then we get to like watch it happen. Yeah. Would be amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Beyonce, Beyonce certainly has, I think, wider cultural cachet than Taylor Swift. I think the difference is Taylor Swift has this Stringing notches on her belt that Beyonce doesn't. She's been with Jay Z for so. I'm sure she could tell Jay Z stories and all kinds. Mm. But like, who can do the like the Jake Gyllenhaal stuff? Like, I know these things about Taylor Swift, <laughs> and I don't even. <laughs> I, could I name three songs? I don't think I could. And even I know the stuff that she's been that she's been going on. And no shade, enjoy yourself, have fun. Mm-hmm. I hope it's all been great. That's that's wonderful. Um, but it has the the tell allness of it. Seems like there's more all to tell. But I could be wrong. Right?
0: About huh.
1: Okay. Um, speaking of best selling books, actually, let's do, let's do another sponsor break and then we'll uh, come into the top 25 best selling books of 2022. Well, <laughs> we now well, are starting to get sales numbers for 2022. And I think, as much as the top line, how it did compared to last year, co- total units sold, state of the industry, we always are interested in the top 25 overall print bestsellers. Just what was moving units? And and it will surprise no one, except that you can kind of never get used to it, I don't think, to see the number of Colleen Hoovers on this list.
0: It is bananas.
1: So there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight out of the top 25 overall print bestsellers of 2022 were Colleen Hoover titles. And six of the top to, ten. I don't have anything <laughs> left to say about this.
0: I don't either. It's interesting all to see
1: ten, the top nine. I think we could all call TikTok books.
0: Well, is where the crawdads sing a TikTok book uh, now? No, it's no, number that's, you're four. Right.
1: I, I skipped over that. Four. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it hasn't hurt, but, but that, um, yeah, yeah. But
0: that after those top, the top three are Colleen Hoover, and then after that, the next best selling fiction is where the crawdads sing. Still. Now a book Still. that's approaching five years old.
1: The movie did come out.
0: That's true. But two not great reviews. Um, no. And then number five is Colleen Hoover. Number six, Atomic Habits by James Clear. That one's hanging on. Number seven is Taylor Jenkins Reid's debut novel, The Seven Husbands of Good Evelyn Hugo. Her. I hope she makes it. <laughs> yeah, and then just more in there. I, I think maybe the only surprise to me in how high... Hmm. how many copies it was is at number 13, the body keeps the score by Bessel van der Kolk, which is about trauma and Trump, like sort of somatic memory of trauma. TikTok. Um, that's TikTok. that's that's TikTok, And like, you should get a copy of that when you buy it ends with us by Colleen Hoover. It should be like re- required to follow on, I think. Um, <laughs> but that's up there. The four agreements every year is on this list yep. and surprises me.
1: By Don Miguel Ruiz, which I don't know anything about that book. Do you Do You know what that book is? I mean, it's like um, self-help, right? It's self-helpy. Kind of
0: I think it's really popular in corporate, in like, in corporations. I know one of them is, it's like, be impeccable with your word, assume good intent, and then two other ones. But like, for basic, for like, very basic things that... Like most self-help books, the underpinning principle is if you do these things, like your life will be better. But I can see that where those would fit into especially a corporate structure. Um, they probably sell a-, a jillion bulk sales of those to companies every year. Um, two Emily Henrys on the top 25. But again, that's TikTok. Um, just, um, I mean, astonishing I want people numbers. people read the, the books them.
1: they want to read. And yes. I've read several of these books on this list. I look at this list and I'm like, I don't know, man. This is a rough list to to be I think, excited I had,
0: about. I had the same thought. Like, if I'm you know looking back at this list in 25 years and it's the thing you're given as an indication of what books were like in 2022, it's kind of a bummer. It's a bummer that so many of them are. I don't know, Colleen Hoover. There's not much variety. There's not much diversity. A lot of them are standbys that became very popular. It's a real reminder of like the big books of the year are so much bigger than everything else.
1: Um. Yeah. Well, and I mean, this is maybe a rant and I've said this a little I don't rant is the wrong thing, but something to notice, I think. It it has to be noticed is that only two of these top 20, 20 books are written by people of color. Yeah, it's and not diverse. one of those, you had to be Michelle Obama, which is like a cross mm-hmm. between Eleanor Roosevelt and Rosa Parks. Like, that's rarefied air to yeah. just to get to be number 12. And then Don Miguel Ruiz, which The Four Agreements, It's based, he, he's a Mexican author, and it's based on Toltec wisdom. Kind of an interesting story, mm-hmm. and I should probably find out more about them. Um, and everything else, like...
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this and gives this, me a I, lot is,
1: of I get some pushback on this but like I think publishing the publishing industry has done a lot over the last 10 years to diversify its workforce and the number of titles it it's publishing by people of color and then LGBTQ people as well with disabilities like there's still a lot of work to be done. There's still a, don't hear me saying that we've reached the promised land. But the number of books by people of color They get significant marketing budgets. They get high Mm -hmm. profiles. They they put their PR machines behind. That that, that Riverhead sends the special basket with like puzzles and wine about all that kind of stuff that matters is way different than it was 10 years ago when we were starting. And if anything, this list is worse in terms of diversity. And that's because of the algorithm. And the algorithm is feeding people's implicit biases. And the readers have to do some work here, Rebecca. The readers have to do work.
0: That's where I was going to go with this. I think if anything, this list becomes an artifact in like future exploration of why algorithm-based recommendation yes. media was bad, um, because the Colleen Hoover stuff almost by itself has moved me out of things people like are good actually into hmm. Hmm. <laughs> like. That was certainly not an, reading Colleen Hoover was certainly not an experience that confirmed for me, like, oh, yeah, sometimes the stuff that gets really popular is really popular well, for a reason. Well, sometimes it's
1: key, but your point is well right. taken. It's like, this is a lot of anti-negative um, exemplars of that Yes. Yeah, there's a
0: lot all at once. And the the algorithms do feed, it feeds you into a filter bubble. We know enough about TikTok to know that it it keeps funneling you into a narrower and narrower place until it has found... The way to keep you looking at TikTok as long as possible on every session, right. and that that's dangerous. The piece that our listener Amanda sent us last week that we mentioned, and, and that was left in the show notes, was kind of about this. Was about TikTok, but really about how boring and homogenous the filter bubble becomes. That like, if you just search for the one romance trope that you like on TikTok, you can find. Uh, you can go directly to a bunch of books that have that thing. You don't have to do any work to discover it. There's no, like, surprise or delight. You can just dial up exactly what you want. And it makes it so easy to dial up exactly what you want. Users might not even be considering, oh, this is only giving me
1: mm-hmm.
0: exactly what I want. It's not exposing me to anything else. Because it benefits these apps to keep you in there giving you exactly what it's determined that you want. And it does feel like this has reversed a lot of the work yep. or created a new kind of work that we saw readers doing in a pretty big, relatively mainstream mm-hmm. way in the last really five to eight years of like reading with real intention, paying attention to the diversity of authors and subjects that you read. And and some of this too, I think, is driven by a lot of folks Buying some of these big, big titles that aren't big readers, you know, like these might be the things they're reading that year, but the readers have work to do. And I think bigger than that, we have a cultural conversation to really have about what these algorithms are doing to... Not just us as individuals, like it is dangerous as an individual to end up only reading the kinds of stuff that the algorithm has determined you like. You become very one dimensional. That's not good for anybody, no matter like what the filter or the dimension is. But what this does to our ability to move our society in the direction that we want it to move, because you've got like We Need Diverse Books has done amazing work in the last eight years or so. And this sets back how much more work there is to do if you're trying to like have activism in the publishing space and bring readers attention to reading more diversely because there is still so much work to do in terms of having more books by people of color more books by queer people come up and have them get publicized enough that they can take over the algorithm. Like Mm -hmm. right now the game is, well, let's just try to get this really great book by a person of color into the TikTok algorithm. And then we'll hope that we win the lottery. And maybe that will, you know, create a little bit more balance in the universe, but that's a whole lot of ifs and a lot of variables you can't control. And it really points me back to like, I think if you care about the future of books and reading and a diverse reading landscape, it's time to take a serious look at your own participation mm-hmm. in algorithms like this, and at least in the role that those algorithms play and what, how you choose what to
1: read. I mean, because it, it's, it's actually a fairly simple logical chain. If there's, you know, we have systemic racism and a mm-hmm. systemic racism and endemic racism, that's just ideas that people have, right? right? Combined with laws and everything. But it springs from there's a whole bunch of people and most of us to some degree have them or another that are prejudiced in some way. Prefer things that look like us. in America. Most of the people are white, and most of the, the cultural conversations happen around, around white people for decades. So if we agree, like what I think we should, mm-hmm. that there's bias against people who are not white, then an algorithm is only going to reinforce biases. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's what all this is, because a bias is just a preference, right? A, you can use the same thing. You can use the same yeah. word. Mm -hmm. It's just a preference. And so if you're reifying preferences to give people more of what they already like, and maybe there's some discovery that happens in there, or maybe you didn't even know there was content around something you like. But at this level, what we can see is like this is just amplifying pre-existing preferences that have not been great for people who aren't white Mm -hmm. and cis. And there's been a lot of work in some. There's been a lot of progress in some pieces of this you know we talked about the ro- you know the, the flowering of lbtq plus in romance but there's not one of these books up here that fits mm-hmm. that description there's romance here but it's white cis het people doing mm-hmm. it and there's nothing wrong with those stories being told but like this is all of the stories on all oh, th- that's what the stories that's getting told here and they're only being reified to to break that kind of a pattern or to interrupt those unconscious or sometimes conscious preferences or prejudices, you need intervention from somewhere, and the last right. thing the algorithm is interested in doing is intervening on the right. p- uh, on the part it's... of the less known, the 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 unpreferred. And publishing is trying to do that. A lot of outlets, including, are trying to, try to do things like that. There's a lot of interesting things out there if you just think about things a little bit. T- take a moment to intervene on your own behalf if there's something you care about. And it does feel like this has been a step, multiple steps, b- multiple mm-hmm. steps back. Like, um, you it's could.
0: Yeah, I think you could, if you wanted to pay attention to it, and I hope people do, you could use TikTok to try to discover, you,
1: could.
0: you know, find the right hashtag for books by black people or queer books or whatever. You have, But you have to pay attention to it you and go seek attention. them out. This feels a lot, looking at this list feels a lot to me like the conversations we were having a decade ago when the internet really first started talking about diversity in the book space and the response and resistance that we we got from a lot of people then was I just was, want to read good books. good books. I'm not I'm not racist. No. I'm not intentionally picking books by white people. I just want to read good books or I just pick books with good stories. And if you're going to t- like right now if you're going to TikTok and you're just looking for what books do people like that's what you're getting. Is sort of the uncritical unexamined yeah. I read this book I liked it let me share it. You also now will pick it up without considering anything about the author or where this fits into a bigger story and it's if it's uncritical use of any of these things we do just revert back to unconscious bias and that was the the big conversation we I think had to have the first time around was no one is saying that you are out there like intentionally rejecting right. a That's book right. by a person of color this is not like you are racist in in intent and activity but that's what unconscious bias means <laughs> it means that's that funny. you are you're not thinking about it and because books by people of color and books by queer people and members of other marginalized groups are still relatively underrepresented in publishing and you do still have to go like you have to do more work to seek them out than just pull whatever's on the bestseller list without looking if you if you care about having a diversity of thought an identity in your reading, and this just—it does feel like many steps back.
1: It's, and I do, I it's mean, a bunch of people use Instagram Reels or TikTok or whatever mm-hmm. to, to to swim against the river, but that doesn't that doesn't change that the river is still flowing. And most people right. won't. These things are not. Mm-hmm. That, you're you're in, an, you're a corner case if you're using it like that. It's certainly possible to do that, um, but for the vast majority of people, the whole thing is designed for you not to do that. The whole thing is designed Mm -hmm. for you to get something that's comfortable, familiar, entertaining, just to keep you scrolling and making you think for a moment or stop and wonder is not in their interest to do right now. And, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the the right solution is. I think it, it, even more. Like I started thinking about our conversation about awards and things like that. Those are mm-hmm. ways of intervening. Like you're watching the. Go- I was you know reading the Golden Globe mm-hmm. recaps. Yeah. And that's a place where you know say what you will with the Hollywood Foreign Press. And there's a lot, but it's just one example. A smaller group of people can intentionally award something or spotlight something that breaks it out of something like this. And book awards don't have a high enough profile. Or the National Book Awards do. Or the Pulitzers do, but they've like, one novel, one novel gets I mean, it's it just <laughs> And you can't nuts. compete
0: with, you still can't they compete cannot, with the algorithm like this. They, well, no. I'm
1: not even saying it's they need to compete with it, but offer like a counter-narrative yeah. of some kind that someone could, that, because the other thing you need if you're going to, if you're going to try to wade against these waters, like, you need to know that you're not going to drown, that there's somewhere to, to wade to, there's some reason mm-hmm. to do it or or some help, but like, there's so little now um, and and even the the other thing I was going to, I guess, is maybe a segue, is like, even the intentional pickers, and I think Reese Witherspoon is, I think Jenna Bush mm-hmm. Hager is, I think Good Modern yeah. America is, ain't none of those books made this list, Rebecca. None no. of those books are on this, not a single one, I don't think.
0: Yeah, I mean, Where the Crawdads Sing was a Reese pick, but we've had conversation ad nauseam about yeah. that book would have probably been a big deal with or without Reese. There's um, been
1: 40 Reese picks since then, ain't none one of them still mm-hmm. here? I mean... Uh, which which, right. is, and which like, is the tail and which is the dog for uh, right. that particular
0: Reese picked the new Celeste Ng book. That's an it's a wonderful novel yeah. not on this list. And that's not just on one of you know the most available example off the top of my head but yeah those and those lists do help guide readers I think mm-hmm. you know and and that intentional picking it it is clearly intentional at this point they're paying attention to yes. the diversity of their lists and I think it does create Disruption, but it hasn't created enough disruption to break into the top twenty-five best-selling books yeah, of the cool. year. If we were you're looking coach, at, you're,
1: the... spitting, you're trying to pull on right. Superman's cape or spin into the wind when you're fighting yeah. these things at this yeah. point. It's 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 tough. It's, um, I mean,
0: this is a disheartening list as a snapshot of a year in books.
1: Yeah, and just just so you don't get us wrong, it's not any particular author. I don't have anything against any of these people. I don't. Mm. But the, but looking at the whole board makes you not want to play chess. Uh, right. This,
0: to me, it. feels like if this is the state of, like, the literary arts in 2022, 2023, well, I, I mean, don't feel well, great the best
1: about bestsellers are, I mean, I don't know. I, maybe this is It's not the only state, do. but yeah. But, like, could we go back and look at one of these from the last 50 years and be like, yes, right. pure literature? Or, like, this <laughs> no. is, I don't think we I mean, could, but there's something about how it feels like we're back to where we were? like Because this is never going to be our list of books. That's yeah, not I what think, we're expecting here. Because, I, I, yeah, like, and I'm not expecting... Can hold hat on a couple of these things, on a right. couple of these that we feel excited <laughs> or interested in?
0: Yeah, I think that would make me feel better. Like The cynical answer to things people like are good, actually, is like, yeah, but then also the most popular TV shows are all variations on CSI. (laughs) You know, like sometimes it is just, you know, playing to the lowest common denominator and you can have that. It's okay to have that, but you want to see some indication of progress Mm -hmm. in the culture and artistic experimentation. And like, also don't get me wrong. Like I know the weirdo experimental, LitFic is not going to crack the top twenty-five bestsellers right. of the year. Even the one that is closest to mainstream, like probably the Candy House, was last year. I did not think that book was going to be in the top twenty-five bestsellers, but it would be nice to see something that feels like progress in this I list. I mean, Celeste
1: yeah. Aang, I mean, again, it came yeah. out later in the year, and that that hurts books mm-hmm. sometimes when you know they don't get as long of a tail. But if we saw a Missing Hearts on here, and maybe one other, mm-hmm. or even even a Even like a a big sort of commercial mystery thriller. Sure. By a person, maybe that would be interesting. You know, the other other name I I was looking for? Kristen Hanna. Doesn't feel like Mm. the algorithm's been great to Kristen Hanna. Do you have that sense? No.
0: And I don't think there's been a new. Kristen Hanna, or maybe not, maybe it just hasn't been big enough for me to pay attention to.
1: Yeah. Um, but, but even yeah, the paperbacks, these are it. paperbacks on, these are not yeah. new books. This is not frontless because remember the, the Hoover mm-hmm. of it all. And you know, <laughs> the, the best one being I wonder if ago.
0: Ago. some of that has to do with that the heroines of the Kristen Hanna books are a little bit older. And like, I have a little yeah. bit of a theory here that the Colleen Hoover heroines are closer in age to the average TikTok user. And that probably has something to do with it.
1: 23 year olds who can buy whole buildings in Boston.
0: Those mm, kind yeah. Of mm-hmm.
1: okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know if you've got thoughts, podcast, at bookriot.com. Dot com. I would love for someone to inflate my balloon or something about this because I find it pretty. It's pretty a real tough. speaking of, um, Colleen Hoover, this, 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 this escalated quickly, I guess how it's going, <laughs> which meme, pick your meme here. <laughs> Um, Atria announced a, it ends with, or Colleen Hoover announced it ends with us coloring book. If you know anything about the contents of it ends with us, you may have done a shruggy emoji or a head scratchy emoji. I'm not sure here of, wait, what? And then everyone said that. And then Atria is like, you know what? We took a lot of feedback and we're deciding not to go ahead with a coloring book about that centers on um, domestic abuse. And, uh, maybe yeah. that's not the, the best idea. <laughs> in the world. So there we go. That's the, the, the beginning and the middle and the end. Anything to make of this, Rebecca?
0: I mean, never underestimate the appeal of a money grab, maybe. <laughs> like, it's, I don't think this was made out of bad intentions, no. but somebody somewhere had the idea that a way they could capitalize on the idioms with us fandom was to make a coloring book. <laughs> and then a bunch of people agreed that that was a good idea. Like, whenever we see a story like this, I just wonder how many meetings were had about this and how many people agreed to it that it got to the point where they had a mock-up and the author was announcing it on Instagram before anybody said this is a bad idea like what is going on over there and I I guess I applaud the short turnaround on yep, yep never, mind. never mind um the best like the most generous reading I had gotten to yesterday when just the news about, about the coloring book broke was like maybe the content is just quotes from the book that are supposed to be inspirational but the Mm -hmm. content like the story itself is about domestic abuse and has sexual violence like what are the scenes that they were going to depict to help you follow Lily's journey Uh, Mm -hmm. I have a lot of questions about this and I guess I hope that Atria is having some some time to reflect on how they ended up in this position (laughs)
1: Well, and I wonder if the the Colleen Hoover locomotive had such a head of steam, you don't even think about the possibility of blowback at this point. Maybe it even can, you know, whatever else you may say, but like this this thing is a titan, mm-hmm. and we can. It's not. It's almost immune to criticism and Um, if
0: you go back to the story we were just discussing like oh, we can sell millions and millions of these books to people who are just paying attention to what's on tiktok and the next thing and if the tiktokers start talking about the coloring book then the coloring book has become a smash success too i think it underestimates readers i would i think feel insulted to be a fan of colleen hoover's who found meaning out of what happens and it ends with us. And then for for someone to be like, and would you like a coloring book about this? Like, I'm glad that they responded so quickly and vociferously, but truly bad judgment on display in a couple of ways to let this get to the place where you're announcing it as a a product. There are, I think, as you're pointing out, like there are several avenues they could have taken to arrive there. And maybe one of them was just thinking, nobody will push back on this. And if that's the case, that's also pretty disappointing.
1: Yeah, that's almost outside of the critical realm, yeah. the algorithm, um, and not quite. Or at least, I mean, I, I um, there's a part of me that's like they could have gone ahead and published this and sold a bunch of copies and just sort of taken it on the chin. Sure. From this this cohort, but I wonder if we're now into brand safety p, p mm-hmm. parts of this. Did Atria pull well, or did Colin Hoover say? Colleen you know Hoover. What? It says reached
0: out to them. Okay, um, there you go. Yeah, that that she. Heard it because she announced it on her Instagram, and the comments yeah. yesterday were not good. I would not have wanted to be Colleen Hoover. I wouldn't <sighs> want to be Colleen Hoover on Instagram any day.
1: Look, um, you but, ride the dragon, and then it's suddenly the dragon, yeah, doesn't. But the be day you're,
0: anymore. the day the people who are normally praising you come for yeah. you is real tough. It's um, very, very tough. And I think she handled it well. You know, she's taken the Instagram post down. She mm. wrote a reply, an apology that thanks the people who pushed back for respectful discourse and accountability, like. You don't want to have this kind of thing happen where a publisher and an author collectively have such bad judgment that they announce this kind of product. But if you get to that place, this is the kind of response you want to see.
1: Right. Also, sidebar, a coloring book in the year of 2023. That, <laughs> that was, the, I mean, I was like, that's the second, that's the, the sideline that ends with us. Like you've seen like the Crawdads it, journal. There's a where the Crawdads scene puzzle. Like I will every now and again text you a picture of some, yeah. some crawdad <laughs> swag. I saw it like Costco or something. Right. And I, I guess if you're going to try to, um, I don't know sell the sideline to Edwin. The coloring book was, an I thought, like an odd choice. Yeah, it makes me wonder, like, were.
0: what else was on the list of possible tie-in products, like, that they arrived at the coloring book. Maybe it just seemed like low-hanging fruit like Lily owns a florist shop in the book maybe they could I do a partnership with like yeah. yeah or maybe they could do a partnership with like a, an online floral delivery service or whatever oh there's a God. scene where everybody shows up somewhere wearing like footy pajamas like maybe you could get your it-ins with us footy pajamas
1: it would have been a wild <laughs> artifact because uh, certainly there's not a, a scene of like someone getting smacked around for, for burning the lasagna. Like, So it almost mm. like the, the, the thing that made it a thing would be completely erased from the yeah, coloring.
0: Completely book. absent. It's so, so it's wild. really, it's I have so many really questions. Serious. And I was like, so can someone questions. before they pulled it, I was like, can somebody get a hold of a preview? Of this book, because the Amazon listing yesterday just had the cover. Colleen Hoover's Instagram just had the cover. And I was like, I, want, I need to see the inside of this book. I,
1: I don't know. Like, what if you were the, the illustrator? Like, OK, here's it's like, us. <laughs> we want to do a coloring book. And you're like, OK, OK.
0: What, did uh, you have to read it ends with us? Or did they just like, please draw some flowers?
1: <laughs> maybe that's what it is. Maybe that, like here are the 12 bouquets that were mentioned. It could have been something as innocuous as that, honestly. And yeah. maybe that's what they were thinking.
0: Um, it's still, I, I don't know. Bad idea. Uh, speaking committee. of
1: things that are good ideas, <gasps> this adaptation of "Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret" looks unbelievable. Yes. And i have read this when I was a kid, and me too. I was twelve and a boy, so it doesn't hit the same. There you oh, go. Man. It's fine, but I really like the book. I can only imagine. So I'm going to cede the floor to you. Except from <laughs> my perspective, also seems amazing. <laughs> I see, what, three exclamation points here, and then, what, nine ends at the end of adaptation? <laughs> what, can you articulate? What would you like to say about oh, this book and this trailer? Oh, my
0: God. I'm so excited. I either didn't know that this was going to be adapted, yeah. or maybe the adaptation news came out so long ago that I forgot we were waiting on it mm-hmm. but i was like rachel mcadams yes and then i was curious okay have they updated it or is it set in the 70s my friends it is set
1: in the 70s <laughs> is it this se- i couldn't re- or maybe I it's the 80s like it's a little yeah. late 70s but, early 80s yeah. something but like
0: there's that. a retro yeah. vibe which is wonderful that also answers the question who is this movie for it is for me this is a nostalgia yeah. pick like i i think that people will probably take their kids to this yeah. it's it's a great entree into a how your body works and you know puberty talk kind of conversation if you want to have that like judy bloom as a parenting tool you could do worse um but it i've been wanting an adaptation and this looks like a good one like someone has done right by judy bloom and this is the, just vibes, a seminal, the vibes the are vibes right. are good it
1: feels great
0: and it's a it's like it's just a seminal work for especially women of my generation like i think that gen z and whatever the ones younger than them are are coming up in they first they're coming up with the internet so they have access to so much more information but also just in a world where bodies are talked about a little bit more openly where periods are talked about openly where like tampon commercials don't all use that weird blue liquid <laughs> and just completely <laughs> elide what's yeah. happening and i remembered like i had like just deeply remember sitting in my backyard probably in fifth or sixth grade reading are you there god it's me margaret not i went into it with no idea what it was going to be about just someone handed me this judy bloom book and being like oh I guess this is what I should expect. And like, Mm. here's a girl my age talking about these things and having the same kinds of pressures that I felt as an 11 or a 12-year-old girl. Judy Bloom just does her magic and she captures it all. And I'm I'm so happy that this exists, that the trailer looks phenomenal. I'm having like a little bit of an existential crisis because Rachel McAdams is the mom. (laughs) Like (laughs) I'm going to identify with the mom character when I go see this. It's going to be yeah. a weird shift. Um, it looks phenomenal. It just it looks really, um,
1: really, so really wonderful. Yeah, it's an interesting point, because um I was looking back on the I didn't watch a lot as many movies as I'd like to in 2022. Mm. But Rowan and I were talking about how much we both like turning red. Um, oh, yeah. Which is kind of a it's a Pixar's version of a similar moment in, in a young girl's life. Um, sort of pre during adolescence, mm-hmm. and it's metaphorized, right? I mean, it's there, it's text, but also subtext and supertext. This is, you know, there's pictures of tampons on a um, conveyor belt, you know, there's, <laughs> there's th- sitting in the, the, right. the auditorium watching a slideshow about your fallopian tubes and the horror and wonder, and that's going to happen to me. <laughs> um, I think what's magic about the, one of the things magic for me about the book is the the blending of the terror and and joy of being Mm -hmm. you know 13 Mm -hmm. that it's it's also fun to have a crush and to have friends um and the world seems big and scary but also tantalizing and interesting and dangerous and you know it feels like transition mm -hmm. transitions are always fascinating but i don't know that we're enlightened enough that the idea of getting your first training ball training bra is an order of magnitude less fraught than it was (laughs) in even 1979 (laughs)
0: Yeah, I'm sure if you're 12, that probably still feels as fraught as it felt when I was 12. Um, I was really interested in what time frame they would set this and how they would handle, like, how on screen or not the period products would be. Because like, a, a weird artifact of my reading of it, and I was probably reading it for the first time in, like, the early 90s I would guess is that they had not updated the book from its original publication in the I think 70s so I read this book before my mom had had like a detailed like I knew what periods were but before my mom had had a detailed conversation with me about like And these are the products that you will use. Yeah. You get the Mary
1: Roach style. Here's how we deal with life on Mars. Yeah. No,
0: exactly. And Judy (laughs) Bloom does that. Like, I don't know if you remember, but um, I took it in because I was like, oh, this is going to happen to me. (laughs) um, And the original version of the book refers to like a style of period products that were completely gone by the time I was old enough to need period Mm -hmm. products. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Like Judy Bloom told me, it was going to be one way, and now those products are have evolved again. Um, but interesting to see how they're going to do it on screen. I could have put like twenty five exclamation points, and sure. you know another forty ends at the end of adaptation. I'm so excited and ready for this.
1: Um. Yeah. So we're looking. That's April twenty third. I don't think we have time for frontless foyer. We have to roll it over.
0: Okay, that's fine. Have some for more frontless list. List to talk about next week. Yeah.
1: Um, you can see the links that we talked about today. BookRiot.com slash listen. Choose an email, podcast at bookriot.com. Come check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash bookriot podcast. Those links are also at bookriot.com. It's, it's a self recursion, it's like Inception. <laughs> DiCaprio <laughs> could explain it to you how all this works. Um, thank you so much, Rebecca, and we'll talk to you all next time.